Lord, we need you, Lord, more. Yesterday's anointing, yesterday's mercies are over. Evening and morning, it's the next day, it's a new day. And as we've heard this morning, Lord, that your mercies are new every morning. And this morning, all of us, beginning with me, O oh Lord, are absolutely dependent upon your mercy. Your mercy, Lord. Father, we need to hear that voice of mercy once again. In the midst of judgment, O oh Lord, all around the world. When men's hearts are failing them for fear. Because there's so much of uncertainty. There is only one certainty in this entire universe. It is you. It is your name. You are the same God yesterday, today and forever. And we, your people who are called by your name, I pray, Father, will stand strong. For your word says, those who know their God will do mighty exploits. And this morning, I pray, Father, we come to you in that name. That name through which we have mercy. For you said, come boldly and confidently to the throne room of grace to obtain mercy. Through that new and living way that you have consecrated through the blood and the body of your son. So that, Lord, we can obtain mercy and we can obtain grace in the time of our need. And therefore, we need you this morning. We pray, we confess our need. Father, we just commit ourselves to your hands. Anoint us this morning to hear your word, to hear your voice beyond the voice of man. Let everything of man fall to the ground. Let the wisdom and the name and the word of God be exalted above everything else this morning. To that end, I pray that you would bless and anoint the speaking and the hearing of this word. For in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, for me, the last 14 days has been like Peter walking on water. And I do not know what to say. Every time I finish a meeting, I come to the end of myself and I say, Sammy, I'm empty. <laughs> That's been the confession, honestly, uh, because I've never done this before. You know, one of the, uh, one of the honest, um, fears that I have is if Pastor James were to go for, let's say a year, if I have to handle 52 Sundays, it'll be like a crazy time, no? And <laughs> this, uh, this has been like a much more, a uh, bigger task than that, no? And that I really want to thank God for, one step, step at a time, not to look at the circumstances that I will just sink. <laughs> That's another fear that I will sink. But I just want to look at Jesus now and uh, that he would give me the word every day. And this morning I believe that he has given me a word. Therefore, let's just tune our ears to the voice of the Spirit. Today is Palm Sunday. Okay, just in case you forgot the lentil calendar. <laughs> okay, so, so for once, uh, there are no believers on the streets, thanks to the government, waving palms, having no idea what it is all about, and they just go with the flow. And, uh, you know, in the story of Palm Sunday, one of the, the, one of the characters in the entire narrative that actually caught my attention is a donkey. I heard several sermons on the theme, about Jesus' triumphal entry into the into Jerusalem, the several characters in the plot, the disciples who, who, who were asked by Jesus to bring the donkey and its colt, the people who questioned the disciples when they were untying the donkey, the disciples putting their clothes, cloaks and their clothes down on the streets and supposedly waving palm trees, palm leaves, singing hosannas and the other shouts of the people. The objection of the Pharisees, the shock of the people when Jesus, instead of going into the polit political establishment and overthrowing Rome, 
<laughs> goes into the temple and overthrows the money changers. And he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer to the nations and you have made it into a den of thieves. But the one single character in the entire plot who never utters a single word and completely submits to the master's will is the donkey. The beast of burden. The one character which says, I am available, use me. That's exactly what I want to speak about this today. This day. Today I titled my sermon as, Are You Able or Available? Okay, are you able or available? The reason why I wanted to look at this particular passage is because we've been looking at the blessing of uh, Jacob to his sons in the last days. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 49 and read from verses 1 and 2. Genesis 49 verse 1 and 2. This is what it says. It says, Jacob called his sons and said, Gather together that I may tell you what shall befall you in the last days. Gather together and hear, you sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. So this is essentially what uh, Jesus is doing. He says, gathering all his children, and it's a representation of the church, I believe, in the last days. And he's pronouncing a blessing. The characteristics the church has to have, has to possess, in order to come through triumphantly uh, in the last days is one thing which I want to look at is not, uh, we've been looking at, of course, Reuben and uh, the last time we looked at Simeon and Judah uh, and, and, and Levi. Uh, today, I don't want to look at Judah. And I want to look at one guy who's very interesting, interestingly prophesied about in the plot. And turn with me to the same passage, Genesis chapter 49, read it, reading from verses 14 onwards. Let's just read 14 and 15. 14 and 15. Issachar is a strong donkey. You know, that's your translation, uh, strong donkey. Um, the NIV says it's a scrawny donkey. What is scrawny, bony, unattractive, having meager resources or talents? Yeah, it's there. Raw-boned, scrawny donkey lying between two saddlebags. Okay. Actually, it's very reluctant, okay, between two saddlebags. But then it sees something. <laughs> he sees how good is his resting place. <laughs> love, love that, no? It's a resting place which God has given to all of us. It says that people after they die, they enter into their resting place and their works follow them. Right? So, this donkey is between two saddlebags. It's wondering whether I have to surrender my shoulder to the burden. And then he says, he sees the resting place and he sees how good is his resting place, how pleasant is his land. Wow, it's like Issachar has a vision as to where he's going to end up. And then you know what he does? He will bend his shoulder to burden and submit to forced labor. To the burden and to submit to forced labor. This is what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the donkey. Who was, who was available, not necessarily able, who's reluctant, not necessarily all reared up and rearing to go like a horse. 
Okay, he's not revved up and ready to go. He's not he's just not to just come off the blocks and go for a hundred meter hundred meter dash. He's looking at the long distance fifteen kilometer marathon, and he says, "Okay, fine." At the end of that, there is a count. There's a resting place. There's a land with my name written upon it. Okay, and I am looking at that pleasant land, that resting place, and I'm bending my shoulder to to uh, bear the burden and to submit to forced. Labor. That's exactly what has been happening to all of us reluctantly, of course, for some of us. <laughs> We've been uh, <laughs> submitting our shoulder. I've been experiencing a little bit of the Issachar spirit, right? Why did I, why did I choose this, uh, uh, this thing? I mean, I don't, why did I choose? I don't want to say that. Uh, yesterday when Pastor was sharing, there was a f- particular phrase which, uh, which, uh, which caught my attention in Genesis chapter 37, read from, reading from verses 12, and 13. It says, Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are your brothers feeding the, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to, said to him, Here I am. Okay. Available. Okay. You see, a lot of saints are sanctified saints, like we, like we heard last time. They're sanctified, touch me not, holy people. Okay. Called saints, but not available saints. Saints which had an experience with God. Powerful ex- encounters with God, but not available for the purposes of God. Who really experience the blessing of God, who really experience the forgiveness of sin, who really experience the resurrection power, but still not available for the service of God. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. Let's read that. Just read verses 4 and 5, 4 onwards. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you would, you have heard from me, that he was going to give the Holy Spirit for John truly baptized with water, etc. And verse 6, therefore, when uh, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom? He says, no, 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 no. Wait in Jerusalem, verse 8, until you are endowed with power. Wait in Jerusalem. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3 onwards. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 onwards. This is what it says. For I have delivered to you first of all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose against again the third day according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas and by the twelve. After that he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. All of them experienced this vision. They had an encounter with the resurrected Christ. 500 of them, okay, they had this vision and they went, went away rejoicing. The same angels which uh, they said, this, this Jesus whom you have seen take, being taken up will come back. Why are you here waiting? And they went back rejoicing. At least 500 of them, it says, at once they had this vision. And then Acts chapter 1 verse 15. And it says, and in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of his disciples. Altogether, the number of names was about, 
120 and said, you see, 500 people, God appeared and only 120 made themselves available to the work of God. Sanctified, not, not, they, they, were, they were all sanctified people. They had an experience. They had an encounter with the living God. They had an experience of salvation. They experienced deliverance. They experienced miracles. They experienced, you know, one of the things that I've been doing, I mean, not doing sampling at least, to see a lot of live telecasts because so many pastors all around the world have been broadcasting and I don't want to criticize anybody because I don't think I've really come to the point where I can uh, take up a stand and say, this is this guy is wrong and that, that guy is wrong. But one of the things I've observed, so many preachers preaching, everybody even during this time speaking about prosperity, the Lord will bless you, we will have an encounter with angels and everybody says, please pray for my uh, for my mother's health, please pray for my finances. Everybody talking about prosperity in this in this life and nobody ready to be, uh, to you know offer their shoulders for the work of the ministry you see paul says god has made us sufficient ministers of the new covenant and he says that our sufficiency does not come from ourselves or our talents but through the indwelling power of the holy spirit but are we available yes the lord is sovereign and his sovereignty has allowed us all to be locked down and forced our attention to himself in some sense. But are we truly available for his working in our life? Look at one of the most humbling examples in the Bible. I mean, it really excites me. Again, I said, this guy has no name. Okay. A lot of people have names in the Bible, but this particular guy has no name. Donkey did not have a name. It did not even have a voice. So many other people had so many things to say. But donkey said, you know what, I'm available. And there's one other guy in this, in the entire narrative of the Bible who really, really has no name. But you know what, he makes himself available. And I'm speaking about, uh, let us look at, uh, to get that, uh, get this person, get to this person. First look at First Samuel chapter 13, verses 19 onwards, 19 to the last verse. And then 14 onwards, uh, chapter 14 and verse 1 onwards. Now there was no blacksmiths to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines have said that the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe and his sickle. And looked at it so many times in different contexts. Um, I'm not going to go into the details of this. And the charge for sharpening, sharpening was, a, was a pim for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, the axes and to set the points of the goats. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to pass to the pass of Michmash. They are coming to attack now. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor. I love that. A young man who bore his armor. You know the word, the one, the, the word for armor bearer is a vessel. That's all it is. He's just a vessel. He's just a vessel. No name. Young man who was bearing the armor of Jonathan. Jonathan, a symbol, a type of Christ, I would say, in this particular contest. Come, let us go over to the Philistines garrison. That it is, that is, that is on the other side. But he did not tell his. Father, look at the names over there. Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree which is in Migron. The people who were with him were about 600 men. And verse 3, Ahijah, the son of Ahotub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phineas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh was wearing an effort. But the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. 
Amazing. Absolutely a, a compromised church and one guy says, I've had enough. I'm the only person with a spear, I mean with a, with a sword and I'm going to be made available for God. But I'm not just looking at Jonathan here. I'm looking at somebody, somebody else. Look at what he says. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other. And the name of one was Bozes and the name of the other was Sene. I don't want to go into the details. It's a lot of words, words over there. The front of one faced northward opposite Michmash and the other southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor. You know, see that? Everybody, nobody knows the name of this young man. Come, let us go over to the garrison of these Philistines. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord by saving by many or by few. And look at the answer of this young man. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then. What is that? Here I am with you. According to your heart. That's it. According to your heart. That is what I caught my attention on. The Hebrew word, the phrase actually, here I am. Heneni. Heneni. I'm available. Samuel, Samuel. Heneni. Here am I, Lord. Goes, runs to Eli. The year when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, etc., etc., etc. And then finally after his iniquity is purged and his, his sin has been covered for, and the Lord says, who will go for us? You know what uh, uh, Isaiah says? Hineni, here am I, Lord. Hineni, available. You know, another translation says, do all that you have in your mind. His armor bearer said, go ahead, I am with you heart and soul. Amazing. Another translation, fine, the youth replied. Do as you think best, I am with you heart and soul, whatever you decide. It's beautiful, isn't it? Isn't it amazing that God is not looking for ability, he's looking for Availability. He's looking for one armor bearer who said, I am with you heart and soul. That's exactly what happens when Paul gets this vision. One guy in Macedonia saying, come here please. And Paul says, I got a vision. Let's go. And a bunch of guys with him say, we are with you heart and soul. Do whatever you have decided. Heart and soul. Are you with Jesus, heart and soul, and say, Lord, do whatever you have decided. I'm here, ready with you. Heart and soul, available to God. Heart and soul, being available to God. This, by the way, the phrase, Hineni, or here am I, is a spiritual state. It's just not, okay, I'm here, Lord. Okay, uh, who, who all want, who are, who all volunteers, uh, to do the snacks for the next day? Okay, 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 fine. I'm there, I'm there. I've got a lot of money. I've got a lot of people to serve, etc. That is not what he's talking about. This particular phrase, here am I, is a state of being, a spiritual disposition. It is an attitude of heart and soul and spirit. Okay. Are you understanding? Okay. 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 Okay.
<laughs> you see, you, you, in other words, he says, Lord, I'm just not looking at instruction. I'm looking at intention. I'm ready, whatever the intention may be. Like yesterday, we were looking at uh, intent and uh, instruction and intention. It says, David fulfill God's what purpose in general. You know what it says in Telugu? Uddesham. They would fulfill God's intention in his generation and he rested with his fathers. You see? Are we available for that? Oh, I have a need in the church. Okay, who all is there to volunteer for this? Okay, okay, we are there, we are there. We are, he's not talking about that, Baba. He's not talking about that. He's talking about a state of being. It is a point where God has brought you to through a series of circumstances in your life. It's just not one day you say, okay, here I'm Lord. No. You know, it's very interesting when you look for this particular phrase, Heneni, you know, where the very first time it occurs, surprise, surprise, Genesis chapter 22. <laughs> Let's read from verse 1 onwards. Okay. This is essentially the... Uh, the, the cross message of the entire book of Genesis is found here. If you want to look for the message of the cross, it is here. Okay, the message of the cross is in Genesis chapter 22. Now it came to pass, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Why? Okay. Now, by the way, he didn't reach this point in one day. How did this man reach this point? Not in a day. It all begins with the call when God appears to him in where? In the Ur of the Chaldeans. Messing up. He takes his father. And then again God appears to him where? In Haran. After his father dies. And then God says I'll bless you. And then God takes him into the promised land and allows a famine to be there. Testing him. He goes down to Egypt. He builds an altar, of course. He goes, goes down to Egypt because of, because of the famine is very severe. And he's tested in Egypt with integrity. God exposing his own heart. And then he comes back. Comes back with, from, from Egypt. He's still got lot along, alongside him. Comes back out of Egypt. Comes back to his altar, which he has built, built first. Uh, re-establishes his covenant or his relationship with God. And then comes the next test, strife in the family with brothers fighting each other. Of course, not brothers fighting each other. Okay, the servants of Lot and servants of Abraham fight. There was strife and God, Lot, God tests Abraham. What, what happens? He says, okay, fine. You take the first choice. He doesn't say anything. He goes after, after a while, after this ungrateful nephew. Another test. And after he has defeated the five kings, he comes back and he's sitting under the tree, scared. How did I even do it? Fluke me, kuch ho gaya. And then the Lord appears to him and he says, do not be afraid, Abraham, I am your shield. I am your exceedingly great reward. And he says, Lord, what are you, what is of use? I don't have any children. This Eliezer of Damascus is going to be the, he's going to be the heir of my property. And he says, he is not going to be here. Come out. And he makes a promise to Abraham. He says, and Abraham believed in God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Thank God he said that before he got circumcised. Otherwise, it would have been a lot of trouble for all of us. Okay. And then he makes a covenant with Abraham, a covenant where God himself passes through those two uh, divided animals and he makes a covenant in putting Abraham to deep sleep, saying that truly I'm going to visit your people and after 400 years still because the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And then Abraham creates an Ishmael, messes up, forgets 
the promise of God and stops hearing the voice of God. And then when Abraham is 99 years old, in Acts, in Genesis chapter 17, it says, the Lord appeared to Abraham and he said, walk thou before me and be thou blameless. And he makes a covenant of circumcision with Abraham saying, you know what, you will never ever trust your flesh in order to produce something of God. And therefore, Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, who have no confidence in the flesh, who glory in Christ Jesus, who join Christ Jesus. We are the circumcision who join in Christ Jesus, who worship God in the spirit and who have no confidence in the flesh. And that is exactly what Abraham is rehearsing before our very eyes. And then again, of course, as Genesis chapter 18, you have Lot's story again, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Before that, Jesus comes, visits Abraham, gives a promise. Genesis chapter 20, another test where Abraham messes up with Abimelech. And then of course, finally, the promised child is born. And after the promised child is born, one day Ishmael is mocking Isaac and she says, cast out the born woman and her son. And his heart is broken. He says, oh Lord, I, I wish that Ishmael would live before you. And Lord says, no, listen to your wife, send him out. And now he's growing and growing. And after all these tests comes Genesis chapter 22, where the Lord says, Abraham, and he says, what? Here I am. There's a lot of things which have happened in the background to make him to come to a point where he says, Lord, I'm available. And that is the reason why the writer of James will say, you know what? Faith was perfected in Abraham when he offered Isaac on the altar. Hebrews chapter 11, because he was rehearsing the cross. Hebrews chapter 11, it says, by faith, verse 17 onwards. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. What do you mean? What is, what does that mean? Whatever you say, Lord, I am with you, heart and soul, according to your heart. Whatever is there in your heart, I will do. And my heart is joined to you or your heart. What he did not realize, maybe, or he did realize, that what Abraham was doing was enacting prophecy. He was literally enacting in, he was literally in the space, in the place of Father God. And he says, he offered up Isaac, who, whom he received the, uh, whom he had received the promises, offered up his only begotten son. And then it says, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up from, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. And then, verse 20, by faith, okay. Verse 19, so he thought he was completely rehearsing the cross. He came to a point where God said, he said, here I am Lord, according to your heart. Whatever is there in your heart, I will do it. My heart is for your heart, heart and soul. What about Isaac? Did he say here I am? He says, he, he says, my father, you know what Abraham says? Here I am. <laughs> it's like the father is available with the son. You know what? He was totally joined with the heart of his father. He didn't have to say. When the father said, here I am, Isaac also surrendered himself. And he said, you know what? Here I am, Lord. He willingly offered himself on the altar. What are we according to the new covenant? Galatians chapter 4, verse 28. 
Now, I love that word, pronoun, plural pronoun. We, brothers. You know, NIV says you. Thank God Paul includes himself there. Now, we, brothers, as Isaac was, children of promise. And you know what? Born again, when we were born again, in seed form, we had the spirit of Isaac inside of us. The attitude of Isaac. Of course, Isaac is a type of Christ here. And God is, through all circumstances in our lives, bringing us to a point where we will say what? Here I am. What about Jacob? God had to literally break Jacob. Use all his circumstances and his mistakes, his marriage, his deceiving of his father. His father-in-law deceiving him. Broke him in his marriage. Broke him in his job. Where his employer deceived him ten times. Okay. Were you ever broken in your job? Oh, I was. So many times. You know, I got a increment of let's say hundred dollars. I was oh, thank you Jesus, hundred dollars. After three 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 months, that the increment was removed. I said, why did you remove that increment? Because you got a scholarship. I said, if I got a scholarship, you'd increase my salary, not reduce my salary. It's a, it's it's basically not socialism over here. Okay, but thank God. <laughs> you know what? God has to get me to a point where I say, here I am. Okay, all your talent. Okay, we have so many people over here. I don't want to name names. And there's so many people in the camera who are watching me who have been football hardcorner. You the boss. Broke him in his job. Ten times his wages were uh, were changed. And then finally he says, let me go back to my father's house. After Joseph is born. He says, Joseph is born. Enough is enough. And look at what it says in Genesis chapter 31 and verse 10 onwards. While he was dreaming about his job, (laughs) God gave him a fantastic uh, revelation. And it happened at a time when the flocks conceived that I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the rams were leaped, which leaped. Okay, which leaped. Okay, and the angel of the Lord spoke. Okay, leaped. Upon the flocks were streaked, speckled and gray spotted. I'm not going to the details. So many things here over here. And verse 11. The angel of the Lord spoke to me in a dream. And the angel of the Lord. The word angel, it is not messenger. It is Malek or the king. Okay. You know who the king of of God is, right? Then the angel of the Lord spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob. And he said, finally, here I am. And what about Joseph? <laughs> you know it. These Genesis chapter 37, let's see verses 1 and 2. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob, Joseph, and then verse 12 and 13. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said, here I am. The God of Israel, sorry, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Joseph is also our God. And he is working in all of us as he has worked through all the patriarchs to bring us to a point in our lives where we say what? Here I am. And I'm looking at one character today as to how you can respond and how you should respond. 
to the call of God like a donkey. Okay? Let's look at that particular person. You know him very well. You know whom? Whom I'm talking about? Anybody? Guesses? Okay. Exodus chapter 3. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> Exodus chapter 3. Let's read from verse 1 onwards. I'm going to draw eight lessons from this character, okay? Eight lessons. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. Beautiful. That's an introduction to his call, okay? Not his sheep, he's tending his sheep. Okay, one observation, not a lesson. God does not call lazy people. Okay. One of the things that we have learned over a period of time after having come to uh, this place in the last 15 days, if you get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and only sleep for 4 hours in a day, you don't die. Okay, it's been proven. Okay, empirically. We have all empirical data. We are not dying, right? Right, right? We don't, we are, we are occupied. We are not dying. Thank you, Jesus. I said, Lord, I want to take back this attitude when I go back home. Not to sleep for six hours and eight hours and four hours, five hours is enough. Okay. And we can get up and be absolutely focused on the job. No issues. Okay. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Reiteration. I used to do that for my coaching. I can do it for God. Hmm? That, that day, my, my no, I'm not saying anything. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, uh, okay. So, I used to do it for my coaching. Why can't I do it for my, for my God? No? Now, no, Moses was tending his flock. Tending the flock, not his flock. Thank you, Jesus. The, the flock of Jethro. I like that. That is the reason why in Luke's Gospel, chapter 16, it says, if you are not faithful with somebody else's things, why will God give you his own thing? Okay? Alright? So we have to confess to pastor. Pastor, we did not take care of the office properly. We consumed a lot of electricity. Sometimes we switched on the, we switched on the fans and left it like that. I'm like, oh my goodness, a lot of waste going on. Let us be conscious about that. Okay. Okay. See, these are the things which are, le- which we are learning. Am I, amen? Peter and Sam? Yeah. I know we are all tired and we are put, we are sleeping in different, different positions, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. But we still, we should not forget that. Okay. And he says, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord, kya baat hai? The angel of the same angel of the Lord, which appeared to him, which appeared to Abraham, which appeared to Jacob, Isaac and Jacob, because Isaac also got the vision of the angel of the the Lord. Isaac and Jacob is also has appeared to this man, okay, Moses. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush, bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him to him, called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here, I am. First thing that we need to do. Examine. What is that? Examine. The bush represents our life. By the way, this particular word bush appears only six times in the Bible. Okay, six times 
in the entire Bible. This particular phrase, it's a primitive root. It doesn't, doesn't even have an etymology where, where it's been, uh, you know, plugged out from. Okay, there's no root word. It's one unique word. And I think the authors particularly deliberately uh, chose that particular word so that he could identify a person. Or for example, I'll show you where else it's found in the Bible, apart from this passage in Exodus chapter 3. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 7, uh, 15 and 16. Okay, 15 and 16. Okay, who's this? This is the blessing of uh, a Moses on Jacob, on Joseph, okay? With the best things of the ancient mountains, with the precious things of the everlasting hills, with the precious things of the earth and its fullness, and the favor of him who dwelt in the bush is the blessing given to joseph okay this is a unique word okay that is just an aside let's go back first examine a bush represents in some sense our life a life with all thorns set on fire but not consumed a life with all failures all shortcomings when it comes to the requirements of God, of course. We should have been consumed, but we are not. And Moses turns aside to see. How is it that my life, with all its failures and sins and iniquities, is not consumed? By the wrath of God. You know why? It's his kindness, it's his goodness, it's his forbearance. Three things. What's it? It's his kindness, it is goodness, and it is forbearance. You know what Moses did? He turned aside to see. That is what we call as repentance. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. It says, or do you despise the riches of his forbearance? Goodness. First is goodness means kindness. Forbearance. You know what forbearance means? Tolerated you. Tolerance. Okay. He tolerated. Okay. It's like uh, we tolerate and tolerate. We tolerate most of the time our children. Tolerate and tolerate. Justin actually tolerates more. My, I have a very snappy attitude. Okay. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm learning. Okay. Justin says, be patient. Be kind. God is kind. God is tolerant. God is, you know what? Long-suffering. You know what long-suffering means? He did not punish us immediately. He could have, but he waited, 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 waited until we turn. What is he saying? He's saying the goodness, the foreparents, and the long-suffering of God leads us to what? Repentance. To turn aside. I would really encourage all of you, even as you are here in these days where you are locked down, examine your lives. Examine your lives. One man said, an unexamined life is not worth living. It's not worth living. Question is, do we constantly judge our lives? Like pastor was saying, don't worry about communion. (laughs) What does communion signify? What is the intention behind communion? That we judge ourselves. And God has given us a time of, of what we call as contemplation. Spiritual contemplation. Our lives, which were supposed to be consumed, is not consumed. Have you turned aside? 
do you know that God has dealt with you not after your sins? He has not rewarded you according to your iniquities. And the psalmist says, Lord, if you would mark your iniquities, who can stand before you? And in spite of the fact that you were such a rebel, God tolerated you all these days. And he has allowed you to be in this place without being consumed by the plague. You could have died. This could have been your last year. 2020 starts with a bang. Have you ever seen anything like this before in our entire lives? Nothing. Not until, not since 1942. Not since World War II. Examine ourselves. That's exactly what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5. Look at what he says. We know it very well, but understand this. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Examine. Test. Do you not self, yourselves know? What you should do? You should examine first. You should test and then you should know. That's exactly what we do, right? What does a doctor do? He examines. He looks for what? Symptoms. Then he sends you to a test. Then he says, this is what you have a problem. Look at all the symptoms in your life. Symptoms. Symptoms of lack. For example, never being, never being able to meet the ends in your life. There's never sufficient in your life. Hand to mouth all all day, every day, every year. Never sufficient to give away. Examine. Contemplate. What is going on, Lord? Is it because our priorities are messed up? That you are offended easily. That's one one of the symptoms. Why do I get so offended so easily? Why is it that every time somebody speaks a message, it is always about me? How does pastor know me? I think he must have thought about me when he wrote that sentence. Examine. You you wouldn't believe how many people actually confess that. Oh, I know why pastor said he was thinking about me. I was actually not even thinking about you. I was thinking about me. Honestly. I was thinking about me. Examine. Examine the symptoms in your life, my dear brothers. What are the symptoms that you find? Easy offense. Irritation. You get easily irritated with your spouse or with your, with your children. Is it because there's frustration in your own life? And you're taking it on your children, on your, and on your spouse, on your, on the weaker people in your life. The frustration which you can't take on your boss, you're taking it on your family. Examine. Somebody was telling me that in all, because of the lockdown, there are counseling centers have opened up their lines in the United States 24 by 7. Because people cannot stay with each other, even in India. There was a guy who was weeping. In Andhra Pradesh, in, Andhra Pradesh, in Telugu, he sent it to all the husbands. He said, Corona is better than wife. Can you imagine? It's a symptom. It is not the, the problem. We always think the problem is, the other, is, is with the other person. If the other person is removed, the problems are solved. No, 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 no. These are all symptoms of a deeper malady. Examine. Look, he was looking. He was looking. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at his own life. No, let, let us just, let, just imagine Moses is there contemplating. Boy, I murdered. 
I look to the left, I look to the right. I'm scared. The judgment of God has to catch up with me, but nothing has happened. Look at my own marriage. Who rules my home? A bird. Her name is Zipporah. Zipporah means bird, by the way, okay? She sang like a bird and he fell in, fell in love with her. So many people fell, fell in love with singers. Okay, they're all Zipporahs, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you know Balaam who was Balaam's father's name Balaam son of Sippor ah, Sippor means bird either you got married to a singer or a daughter of a singer we don't know Okay, I, got mar- I thought my, my life will be a song but what's going on in my life examine I thought we both will be partners in the ministry. Nothing's going on. She's ruling the home. She's going in one direction. I'm going in the other direction. And most of the time, I'm not even at home. That's what, that's what Proverbs says. It is better to live in the wilderness than to live with a contentious wife. What is going on, Lord? Examine. Then test. Examine. Test. No. Oh, you know why I'm not able to forbear with my wife? is because Christ is not there in me. The life of Christ has not grown. I don't have the patience that Christ demands. I'm not washing my wife with the water of the word. I'm not living the life of Christ in that I'm not dying for her. Or the wife can say, you know what? I'm trying to win over by my, my husband through Bible studies and discussions and apologetics. But he wouldn't even listen to me. Scripture says, Just can you be quiet, please? Examine. Examine. My own children don't believe me. What is going on? An unexamined life is not worth living. Examine. And then he turns. And he turns. And then the Lord calls him. I just want to leave you with this thought. Do a thorough examination. And in fact, I was thinking about it early in the morning. I was thinking, Lord, little, little compromises in my life. I know it. I know it. It's even, I was like, just browsing through the last four years, you know. Little compromise over there, little compromise over here, little compromise over there. Lord, all stones now. How do I keep it? How do I get it right, Lord? Examine. I shouldn't have said that word. I shouldn't have compromised over there. I should have allowed Jesus. I should have, I should have taken my stand. But I didn't. I looked to the left. I looked to the right. I didn't look up. And I compromised. Examine yourself today. The first lesson from the burning bush before you say, here I am. Examine. Examine. You see, life is always a series of choices, right? Don't blame others. Examine. Don't look at the circumstances. Examine your response. And find and see if you're really there. With Christ is there. First thought. 
Examine yourself. Second, that is a spiritual condition before you actually say, Lord, what? Here I am. And verse three, uh, verse four, Exodus chapter three. And verse four, four and five. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside, God called him to him from the midst of the burning bush saying, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And verse five will say, then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Second lesson. Second lesson. Don't become too familiar with me. The place you are standing is holy ground, Moses. Just because I came here, it does not mean that you can become too familiar. I remember uh, Sundar Krishnan uh, giving this fantastic uh, thought when um, David is uh, bringing the Ark of the Covenant to into Jerusalem. And when uh, when the Ark slips at the threshing floor, Uzzah, he puts his hand and immediately God strikes him dead. And then... Everybody shocked. Come on, what was Uzzah doing? He was just stopping the ark from falling. Falling. You know what Sundar Krishna said? God was not worried about the ground on which it would fall. The ground on which the ark would fall was holier than the hand which was trying to hold it. And therefore he struck him dead. You see, one of the things that God does not really, really use us is because we don't understand how set apart he is from us. Don't rush into ministry. A great English poet, Alexander Pope said, Fools rush where angels fear to tread. Fools rush where angels fear to tread. That's exactly what the seraphim are doing when they see the holy, holy, holy. Uh, you know, when, when, uh, when, Uzzah, uh, when you, uh, what's his name? Uh, Isaiah has this vision. Two with two there, close their eyes. With two, they flew. Two, they close their feet. And what did they say to one another? Holy, holy, holy. It's a triple superlative in the Bible. That means absolutely set apart from the rest of the creation. One to another they would say, holy, holy, holy. One of the things that we have to get back to the church is the reverence for the holiness of God that he set apart from his, from his creation. Just because God became man, it does not mean that God is not holy. God did not change. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. Look at what, what it say, says in Psalm Chapter 2, verses 10 to 12 is one of the most, you know, paradoxes in the, in, in the Bible. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with. Kya baat hai? How many of you rejoice with trembling? And then he says, kiss the who? Ah, son. Oh, we know God the Father is very, very holy. He kills people. But the son is very, very nice. Who's, who, who told you? Who told you, Baba? 
kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are those who put their trust in him. You know, when his wrath was, I think was, he didn't, the wrath was not kindled. When the, when the, when the, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, he says, whom are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. And you know what he said? I am. You know, just a little, for a fraction of the second, through the crevices of his flesh, he opened up himself into what he was really in his totality and they fell. Fell. That is the reason why I love that hymn which says, Wailed in flesh the Godhead see. We don't have those hymns these days anymore. Hold me close. Let your love surround me. Ayo, what are you singing, Baba? What are you singing? What are you singing? Draw me near, bring me near. Fools rush where angels fear to tread. Careful. So he's saying, Moses, Moses, I know I, I look very simple over here. Yes, I look very, very, very unassuming here. But be careful. This is holy ground. This is holy ground. Why did even Jesus come? Why did he veil himself in the flesh? Deuteronomy chapter 18. Let's look at verse 15 onwards. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. Okay, this is exactly what when the Pharisees come and ask John, no? Oh, are you that prophet? He says, no, I am not. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, from your brethren. Him you shall hear. Who is this prophet? Jesus. According to all you desired of the Lord your God in Horeb, in the day of the assembly, saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God, nor let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die. So I said, okay, fine. I am going to clothe myself in all my glory in flesh. I am going to veil all my glory in flesh. And I am going to send my son, the only begotten of father, who was, who beheld the glory of God. I am going to send him full of grace and truth into your midst. Veil him. So that you can touch him. So that you can feel him. And that is the reason why, you know what John will say in 1 John chapter 1, he says, okay, just turn that, it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Whenever I see that, I just cry. You know, it's a beautiful verse. Beautiful, beautiful verse. It just moves your heart. Look at what he says in 1 John chapter 1 verse 1 onwards. With that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, which our our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Go on. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. And verse 3, that which we have seen, we have heard, we declare unto you that you may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And look at what it says. And uh, verse 5, this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you. That what? God is light and in whom there is no darkness at all. In that light, this unapproachable light, we handled, we touched, we felt, we heard. You know why? Because he clothed himself so that we could come and touch him. Not because he, he changed. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 16 will say, 
स्वस्थमती चैप्टर सिक्स वो सिक्सटीन who alone has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light whom no man has seen or can see to him be honor and everlasting power amen so he tells moses moses don't run here don't run here in other words fear and run here okay fear and run here god has no problem with drawing i mean become in him becoming intimate with us but it does not mean that we become too familiar with him familiarity with god is dangerous and you know what our attitude toward god we take into every other relationship that is the reason why i was saying no what do we have here in these last days is have light teaching light teaching yes god has approached that man if on the road to Jer- on on the on the road to jericho he is among thieves he, i mean he was wounded he was made naked but god approached him and what did he pour into him oil and wine why did he have to pour wine please you know why wine is a disinfectant he would go deep into the wounds and burn those wounds first and tell him if you leave me this is what is going to happen this is what is going to happen you leave my presence and go away from my presence this is what is going to happen to you just because i came down to your level don't become too familiar with him what condescension bringing us redemption that in the dead of night not one faint hope inside god gracious tender laid aside his splendor stooping to woo to win to save my soul he just laid aside his splendor it doesn't mean that he doesn't have his splendor he's now a god who's coming back in glory that's what we have been preparing for in these days for judgment that day should not take us by surprise if we have judgment as our our conscious in our consciousness our entire life will change that's exactly what pastor was talking about enoch walked with god you know why because he heard about judgment and judgment will begin from the house of god and if it begins with us what will happen to those of the ungodly and the sinner if the righteous are what saved scarcely saved what will happen to those who disobey the gospel of truth so first lesson examine second lesson don't rush okay the order of people rush be circumspect hebrews chapter 12 was 12 28 and 29 before i leave this thought therefore since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken let us have what grace i love that let us have grace that we may serve god acceptably reverently circumspectly with godly fear we say that for our god is a consuming fire okay know who god is in his totality we will never be able to appreciate the love of god unless until we know the other side of god that he is holy already then that is the first two lessons the third lesson let's go to exodus chapter 3 now and read from verse 7 onwards and the lord said i have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in egypt when god says i have surely seen 
He's not lying. Okay. And I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows go on till verse 10. Okay. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land, from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God sees the affliction of his people. Can God just go and deliver them just like that? Yes, he can. But what is God's methodology? To prepare a leader. God's answer to man's trouble over here is a prepared leader. A prepared leader. Let me tell you something. God is preparing all of us. Now you will say, if everybody is a leader, uh, who is a follower? Okay, that, that is a good good objection. But I am telling you, for all of us who are here and who are listening to me, you are called to lead. Whether you like it or not. If you are a, a wife or a husband, you are called to lead your home. And if you want to bring deliverance into your family, and if you are especially a man, don't sh- Shirk from your responsibility as a man, as a spiritual leader of the home. Set the benchmark in the home. Because your children's deliverance depends upon your conviction. It may be that the children may not follow you. Once they become big, they may just choose to go away. But because they know the conviction of their father, and the father would never compromise the standards of God, they will come back. Because there will be one unchanging influence in the life of their, of, in their life. It will be a father who is loving and who will never compromise the standards of God. You understand? Everybody. He will never compromise the standards of God. So the third lesson, the remarkable thing that God's way of deliverance is preparing a leader and that has been God's order. I learned this from Pastor James several, I think exactly last year, by the way. Exactly last year during a fasting and prayer. Judges chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinom, sang on that day saying, When the leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Kya baat hai? Leaders have to lead? People have to willingly offer themselves. What if those people who don't willingly, don't willingly offer themselves? You know what he says? Woe to you, Meros. The sin of Meros, right? What were they doing? When all the people of God were going to fight, they nicely relaxed. Woe to you, Meros. Woe to you, Meros. When leaders are being prepared, and if you do not offer yourselves willingly, you will not experience deliverance in your life. Woe to a church which does not have leaders like that. And if you don't have leaders who challenge you, it's high time to search for another. And I say that categorically. 
Because I heard so many people no, saying, I mean, whenever I go to Bible study, some people come from a different background. They say, I'm waiting and I'm praying that somehow it will ch- change. It is not going to change. The signs are there. The writing on the wall. <laughs> God has found the leadership wanting in so many places. I'm not pointing at fingers to anybody. I'm just saying that we need to judge ourselves, our own heart. Okay, Judges chapter 5, the leaders, okay, when the leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Challenge to all of us here. Let us, let God find leaders who lead. Leaders after his own heart who lead and people after his own heart who are willing to offer themselves. Like that armor bearer. You know what he says? What? Whatever is there in your heart, I am with you, heart and soul. Maybe, maybe be those armor bearers who will say, tell our Jonathan, Jonathan, I'm there with you. I'm going to cover you. You know what it says? When Jonathan went, both Jonathan and his armor bearer killed about 20 people and they had conquered half an acre of land. But that simple little deliverance that they bring to Israel will be the seed for which an entire nation will be delivered from the oppression of the enemy. And it says the armor bearer also killed. Kya baat hai? Jonathan killed. Armor bearer also killed. I don't know how, whether they, they killed equally or Jonathan just, you know, or he might have, he might have uh, possibly, uh, I don't know what they did, the strategy. I mean, you can imagine, okay, we can just maybe write a script on that, okay? <laughs> and, and write one script as to how this could have happened. Conversations and the strategies between, between uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer. It will be a fantastic script. Boy, one line in the Bible, you can write a script. Baba. Okay, so much of story is there. Okay. All the stories, by the way. The movies that we see, you know what their text is finally? Bible. No Bible, no movie. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> it's a categorical statement. Mm-hmm. See, no Bible, no Shakespeare. Do you know that? If no Shakespeare, no drama. No Bible, no Charles Dickens. No Bible, no English literature at all. The first literature book in the in the, in the English language, you know what you know what what was that? It was the King James Bible, and that became the text for every other text. The Bible was a source of all literature, okay, and art, and drama, and music, etc., etc., etc. Of course, which we have perverted happily. So, what is God's order? Third lesson is to prepare leaders. Let us look at the pattern even in the, in the, in the, in the New Testament. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 5 to 7. <clears throat> oh, oh, sorry, chapter 1. Sorry, Dr. Richard. Dr. Richard is now super fast. He's like lightning quick now on the the computer. Praise God. (laughs) For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And then, and you became followers of us and of the Lord. Do you see the pattern over there? That is the reason why even Paul tells Timothy, you have seen my doctrine, my way of life, my persecutions, my trials. Be careful. Become a steward of the path. 
pattern of teaching that has been delivered into your hands. That is God's order. Oh, I follow only Christ. Tata, see you. I don't know where. Where are you going? That is God's order. God wants to prepare leaders whom he can use one day to deliver the people. Are you available? Is a question. So first lesson, tell me. Examine. Second lesson, don't rush. Third lesson, God wants to prepare a leader. Fourth lesson, let's go. This is one of my, it's like, I think it's going to really, really, really examine us today. Let's look at this very, very important thing. But Moses said to God, by the way, he was not acting humble. He was being humble. Okay. At least this particular statement, because you'll see the answer that God gives and he doesn't disagree with Moses. Okay. <laughs> All right. So who am I, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? That I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he said, I will certainly be with you, etc. Fourth lesson. A true confession of absolute inadequacy in and of ourselves to be the ministers of God. To confront the prince of this age, of the power of this age. I wrote this down. Do we think that we have sufficient skills and the power and the authority? To just defeat the powers of darkness? Just because we have gone to college? Are we so foolish to think that if the minister of the letter, who is the minister of the letter here? Moses, because the law came through Moses. Are we so foolish to think that if the minister of the letter found that he was insufficient for the task, are we so conceited, so proud, so foolish, To think that our education, our talents, our cleverness, our intelligence, our wisdom of this world will make us sufficient to be the ministers of the spirit and not of the letter. That has come from my mouth. God gave this to me. The one who said I'm inadequate was a man who was learned in all the wisdom and the ways of the Egyptians, and he was only supposed to be the minister of the letter, which would kill, ultimately. What about us? What about us? We spend millions of dollars and unlimited resources to engage people in discussions, instead of allowing to God to work in us so that we can be people who cut through the defenses of people and speak to their spirit. We don't have the authority. We don't have the spiritual authority to cut through the flesh, to cut through the intellect and to speak to the spirit man. Elijah. Elijah. Did he have a discussion and an apologetics meeting with the prophets of Baal? No! It was a demonstration of the spirit and of the power. Because he was a man under authority. He didn't argue. He demonstrated God. He confronted the powers of the age. And he was a man in the old covenant. 
And we are supposed to have the spirit of the power of Elijah to draw a set of people to so that the hearts of the fathers can be drawn back to the children and the hearts of the children can be drawn back to the fathers before God smites the earth with a curse. And you think that our talents, our millions of dollars spent in education, our millions of dollars spent in, 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 in building programs and in props can defeat the powers of the age? There's already a confrontation between the powers of darkness and God. Do we have the sufficient strength to confront the powers of darkness? Do we have the authority? Or are we doing apologetics? No offense to apologetics. No offense to intellect. No offense. But if you don't have the authority to confront the powers of the air, all our millions of dollars spent on education and making up people, the ministers of the letter is useless when the spirit of spirit has been given to us freely in the old, in the new covenant. What we have in these last days are people who know the letter but don't have the spirit. Even if it is the New Testament. You know what Moses says, Lord, I'm insufficient for this task. And we think that by going to Bible college or by getting a degree from IIT that we are sufficient, that we have the intellect and the wisdom. You see, that is the reason why God is humbling us. It is a test for all the church. Do we have the power to confront the powers of this age? When the powers of darkness are raging, we are all hiding in our secret closets. Great, but do we have the authority to bind the principalities and powers of darkness? Did God, did God himself not say to you, I give the keys, Peter, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven? Heaven, or Do we have that authority as a church? You know why we don't have that authority? Is because we don't come under authority. We have not come under the authority of the word of God. We have become ministers of the letter, not of the spirit. We have studied and studied and studied and borrowed conferences and we have got this and we have got that and we have got this and we have got that. We have gone to Bible colleges. We have established institutions. We have poured millions and have gone very little fruit into the kingdom of God. You know why? Because we, in the New Testament, ironically have become ministers of the letter and not of the spirit. Why? Why is the question? I'll tell you why the question is. Turn to Romans chapter 2. And let's read from verse 28 and 29. Oh, 27 to 29. 27 to 29. And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you, even though you have the written code and circumcision and are the transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. You know what? We have spent a lot on outward things. We have spent a lot on... Putting and publishing on YouTube as how many people got baptized in our church. And nobody lives the reality of the baptism. It's all outward. It's all of the flesh. It's all about written code. They go to the details of scripture. They go to this verse. They do all kinds of analysis. But when a demonstration of the spirit of the power is required, they're all like the 700 prophets who have said, you know what? We have not compromised with the spirit of this age. We have not compromised and we have not bowed down our, our need to bow. But we also don't have the power. What fallacy. 
what hypocrisy, what deception. I was writing this in the morning and I was saying, yes, Lord. Because, you know, we, the other day we were discussing, we were, we were having a discussion, Peter um, and, and, and uh, myself and, uh, and uh, Sam. You know, we were thinking about the kinds of people who got, who got touched through this ministry in our church from the years, from different, different countries, from different, different backgrounds. You know how it happened? It happened because it was, there was a demonstration of the spirit of the power. It was not because of apologetics. It was not because we have arguments. We had simply the word which was anointed by the Spirit of God. And God is calling all the church back to that. That we will go into the secret closets of prayer, we fast and seek the face of God and say, Lord, Lord, what does it take to have an Elijah company which will confront the the prince of the power of the air and the powers of darkness? Who will not be afraid. You know why? Because we have given so much of attention to the outward. We have given so much of the attention to the intellect and we have never touched the spirit of man. We have never touched the spirit of man. We hire big, big halls. We spend, you know, we ask from poor pastors 5,000 rupees as what? Registration fee. And what do we get? Light what can be cotton teaching. And I've seen it happening in so many ministries. I have discussion with so many people. I'm not going to na- mention names. What is your, what is the, oh brother, we invited so many pastors. We don't have the money to hire this hall, brother. We have just increased the registration fee to two, by 2,500 rupees. What? 2,500 rupees? And those people in the villages, they don't even have money to buy their rations. And you're saying that you're going to deliver this country with your gospel? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Where is the Elijah company who's hidden in in Chariot and in, in Zarephath who's been refined by God who can come and confront the powers of darkness? There is no Elijah company. You know why? Because we have spent millions of dollars on outward and fleshly things and intellectual things and not seeking for the power of God. And I say that categorically even though I'm young because I know I'm a man under authority. Heart gets, I mean, I see it in so many people. They don't have authority. What are they doing? Oh, we can do this strategy. We can do that strategy. All strategies, props of men without power. It is what? A form of godliness, but no demonstration of power. You know why? Because they are defeated in their own lives. There is no examination. There is no reverence. And there are no leaders. Who are shut in with God. And who seek for the power of the Holy Spirit. My dear brothers and sisters, God is looking for leaders. You are not looking for talent. What talent? What are you talking about talent? What talent did Elijah have? It's very interesting that none of the earthly credentials of Elijah are even mentioned. What are the earthly conditions? Elijah the Tishbite, he just comes into the scene. You know what he's saying? Doesn't matter what background you come from, my dear brothers and brother and sister, you can be qualified to be an Elijah. It is not because of the earthly qualifications you have or you do not have. God is looking whether a man is available, not able. You know what his personal testimony was? What his personal testimony was? Elijah's personal testimony? I alone and I'm left. Of course, God says, you know what? Don't say that. Seven thousand seven, seven prophets. But isn't it true <laughs> in some sense that God could not use anybody else except for Elijah? 
Not necessarily, notwithstanding the fact that there were so many others who were erring the schools of the prophets. So many people in the schools of the prophets without power, without demonstration, intellectualizing the Bible, talking about this strategy and that strategy and this argument and that argument, but no power at all in their ministry. All props, no power. When every earthly prop gives way, he alone is my hope and stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We do not have the power simply because we have not sought God for his power. It's not that God is not willing to give. We never asked. We went ahead with our outward props and our outward show. Next verse, verse 29. He's a Jew who's one inwardly. Circumcision is of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter. Whose praise is not from... You see, so many people are afraid to preach because somebody else is going to criticize them. Oh... This person will think about this message this way. He didn't say the same thing. Maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. Are What has happened with all your hermeneutics and your higher criticism, lower criticism, and all your, all your, what do you say, um, Bible studies and commentaries? This is what you have come to, that you are not confident about what the scripture says. You know why? What about that person? What did he say? What did Martin Luther think? I'm not saying that you should not study Martin Luther. I'm not saying that you should not study Jonathan Edwards. But have you studied the Bible more than you studied them? Studied them? Oh, we have to read a lot of books. But have you read the Bible more? No other book can boast saying that this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. You know, God has to teach me that lesson. Humble me. One, one year, this is what I did. Reading all the other stuff instead of spending my time in the word of God. But this year when I started, I said, Lord, I'm going to devour your word more because you spoke to me from the word more. I will study others. I'm not saying that I'm going to study others. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. There are so many anointed preachers. So many. And I'm, going to, and I'm asking God to lead me to people who will edify me and strengthen whatever I've already learned. And not to get their opinion. My dear brothers and sisters, a man in the old covenant, a man of the law, the man of the letter says, you know what? I'm not sufficient for this task. How much more you and I should confess that? How much more it should bring us to our knees? How much more it should cause us to fast? How much more it should make us to come under authority? How much more it should make us to come under teaching which inspires and encourages us and, and really exhorts us and warns us? You know what Paul says? First Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 1. Look at this. <laughs> and I brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech. You know what Paul was? An excellent, extremely intellectual guy. But wherever he used his intellect, he was chased out. You know that? I, I, I find that very interesting. <laughs> he would go and reason with the Jews. They would chase him out. He would go to another synagogue, reason. Every place first used to, used to end up in the synagogue and they would end up chasing him. And finally he said, dust my feet, I'm going to the Gentiles. And then he would go to the Gentiles. You know what he would say? I, I did not come with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. No. You know how I came? For I determined not to know 
anything among you except Jesus Christ and crucify. I magnified and exalted the burning bush in my life. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in trembling. Can you imagine this man who was one of the most intellectuals of his generation would give any intellectual of this generation, including every scientist from every top university in this world, a run for their money would come and say, would come to this conclusion with, with, with this confession saying, that, you know what, I was trembling, I was with fear, I was in weakness. And my speech and my preaching were, were not with what? No arguments! Oh, that was a fantastic thought, brother. I will use it. Ah! You will use it, but it is not going to penetrate into your own heart. Unfortunate. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in what? Demonstration of spirit and of power. I am not talking about this casual demonstration of what these people do on stages, all this Pentecostal movement. And I'm very sad to see that one guy brings this. In, in, I'm talking of people in Andhra Pradesh. All these Pentecostals in, the, in Andhra Pradesh. He brings people in, under the stage and he says, Nagadevata. In Nadamacha, why should he even call Nagadevata here? This is, I suppose, I thought it was Jesus' meeting, not Nagadevata meeting. Nagadevata. And that thing will be doing all these things and everybody will be looking at that. That is not demonstration of spirit and power. I'm telling you what demonstration of spirit and power is. When people forsake their sin and fall flat on the glory, on the face of God and say, Lord, Yahweh is God and we will serve Him. Who will say, Lord, we are here, we are, our lives are an absolute mess. We are people completely defeated by sin. I beat up my wife. I am a drunkard. I'm an alcoholic. I don't have any control over my sexual appetites on my on my stomach. Nothing. There's no control. I'm given over to all kinds of lusts. But Lord, the demonstration of the spirit on power is going to deliver me from all of these things. That is the kind of a testimony we are interested in, right? Not this Nagadevata and all that stuff. Jesus said, shut your mouth. Go. Leave that fellow. You know Why? That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Power of God. That is the reason why it says, in the last days, many will have a form of godliness, but no power at all in their lives. No power to overcome sin. No power. They are given over. They are offended. Easily. Oh, we should walk on eggshells when we have to talk to people. Thank God for camera, we can say anything now. Just kidding. <laughs> You're more careful, okay? Just <laughs> because in the audience, sometimes, what will that person think? What will that person think? Here, nobody thinks anything. You're giving me free. And one camera is there. Dead thing. Okay, no, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you see? And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of man. What do we highlight? What do we exalt? Wisdom of man? Oh, this argument is what kind of a God does he serve? Who is this God? It's humility, not ability. It's poverty of spirit, not richness of intellect. It's the foolishness of God, not the wisdom of man. It is the weakness of God, not the strength of man. Can we become fools for Christ? Is the question. Then we can say, here I am. Oh, we like, oh my goodness, if somebody doesn't call him Reverend Doctor, ba 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 ba, 
he will send SMSs and ping you with all kinds of threats. Right reverend, left reverend, up reverend, low reverend. You see that, that, that visiting card will be like one tape only. You have to unfold that tape and see all the credentials. See? You don't have teaching, bro. You see, very interesting, you know, when I like, we were, we are talking about Palm Sunday, right? You know, Palm Sunday, Jesus does one thing. He, he goes, he doesn't go to the political establishment. Much to the consternation of all the Jews. Because they thought that the, that, that the kingdom is going to be restored to Israel now. But he goes directly to the temple. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Everybody sings, no? Hosanna means what? Now reign as king over our lives. Now reign as king over our lives. Suddenly, the donkey, instead of going to Pilate's home, goes to the temple. They are shocked. What's going on now? <laughs> it's amazing. It's, and then something happens. Now, this is recorded in Mark's Gospel, chapter 11. Okay, Let's read from verse 15 onwards. Oh, sorry. My. <laughs> so they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple. I love this, okay? This is only recorded in Mark. Okay, this particular word. And tell me what is that word which I am looking for, okay? By this time you should be knowing me, okay? All you people who have stayed with me for these days, okay? So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow any more to anyone to carry wares to the temple than he taught. Other gospel says, and he said, what did he do here? Then he taught. That is what I call anointed teaching. That teaching which draws out every money changer from your heart. That teaching which will not make any money changer in your heart to be comfortable. That teaching which will doesn't which will not allow any lust or any greed or any covetousness to stay comfortable in your heart. That is the teaching we are talking about. That teaching will force out every lie of the enemy from your heart. That teaching will which will confront you and say, you know what, your heart is supposed to be a my my temple, but it has become a foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. Your, your, your heart is full of holes for foxes and for the birds of the air. You have all zipporas in your heart. But no place for the son of man. To drive out every bird. Unclean bird, right? Birds will stand for what? Satanic influences and foxes stand for fleshly attitudes. Go and tell that who? Fox. Who is that fox? Herod. Given over to fleshly appetites. That teaching which will challenge every fleshly appetite in your heart. That teaching which will drive out every lie of the enemy from your heart. That is what I'm talking about, the demonstration of spirit and power. I'm not talking about what, uh, signs and wonders and miracles. That is, even the false prophets will do it. Are we looking for that? No! And he taught. And look at what, it's, what happens. Next verse, verse 18. And the scribes and the chief priests heard it and sought that they might destroy him for they feared him because all the people were astonished at his miracles. No, at his teaching. They were stunned because his teaching confronted every thief in their heart. 
That is the reason why I am saying, examine. Test. No. Examine. Test. No. So you will say, huh, Vijay, who is sufficient for these things? None of us. <laughs> That's the whole point. That's the whole point. The point is to bring us to our knees when we say, Lord, we are not sufficient for this. If the minister of the letter said he is not sufficient, how much more we in the new covenant say, how can we be sufficient, Lord? Second Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 4 and 5, which Pastor James has been reiterating over and over and over, hammering so that we can get it finally. And we have trust such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we are what? Sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God. What? Next verse. Who also made us sufficient. The word, how many times the word sufficient keeps coming? Sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. The letter kills the spirit gives life. And you know what? We have to have the confidence one day to say, you know what? The words that I speak is not letter, is spirit and life. Ultimately, because we are the mouthpiece of God, right? Not because we are Christ. No, we are people whom Christ bought and whom we have, who, have been, who have been commissioned by God. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 12. So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. You know what will happen to you? When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall Serve Moses. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, 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 sorry. Oh, that was deliberate, by the way. You shall serve God on this mountain. What's going to happen? When God has sufficiently equipped us, you know what would have happened to us? One day we would have led so many people back to serving God and not ourselves. And when anybody tries to exalt us, you know what we would do? We would tear our ropes like Barnabas and Paul and say, Lord, we are just mere men. What are you doing? God is looking for such a company so that he can demonstrate his power through us. Am I okay, guys? I'm, I think I'm loud. loud. Okay. Let's go back to 3, 13 now. And Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they would say, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am sent you. You know something, my dear brothers and sisters? God is all sufficient. All sufficient for us. We don't need extra money. We don't need extra huh, training. You know, one of the things I used to think all the time, no? Maybe I should go to Dallas Theological Seminary. No, no, no offense to Dallas Theological, Theological Seminary. I mean, I used to have this, oh, I used to, oh, time waste kar diya, PhD kar, 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 not some Dallas Theological Seminary. You know what? God says, do you want Theological Seminary 
or you want power. I am all sufficient for you. I will be your university. And in fact, since the church has been my university, honestly speaking, I learned so many things involved in one-on-one battle with the powers of darkness. I saw it. Surreal experiences that I had. I'm sure DTS, notwithstanding the fact that it had some real great people, would ever give me that kind of an experience. We are apprentices, my dear brothers and sisters. We are not philosophers. What did I say? There's a lot of difference between an apprentice and a philosopher. The philosopher will give ideas. That is the reason why. What is a philosopher? A blind man in a dark room searching for a black cat which is not there. And the problem is, he finds it. That is a philosopher. Okay, I'm saying that after getting doctor of philosophy. Okay, I'm not saying that because I didn't get any <laughs> degree in that. Okay, I think I have the authority to say it now. <laughs> I'm sufficient, Moses. Look at this beautiful verse. Okay, just underline it and kiss it with your lips. Okay, Genesis chapter 49 verse 24. I love this verse. 29, oh, 49 verse 24. Genesis 49 verse 24. But his bow remained in strength. This is talking about Joseph. And the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd and the stone of Israel. Hallelujah. Exactly, Peter. Exactly, exactly, exactly. I caught you. Come here, come here, come here. Come here, come here. Come here, come here. Now that you said that, you, you caught my attention. Come here, come here, come here. Come here, come here, come here. Come here. Exactly. Exactly. You know what? Elisha represents Christ. King represents this man. You want deliverance? Hold us. Hold us. This is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. Polished. Shoot through the window. I have strength in your arms. Go. I have strength in your arms. Go. And when Pastor James sent us that uh, uh, Spurgeon's uh, devotion, um, on just uh, exactly on this, you know, when I read that, this is the image which came to my mind. I said, you know what? Elisha and that king. Literally, that's exactly what happened to me for in this church, my dear brothers and sisters. Strengthen like that. No qualifications. What qualifications? No qualification. In fact, when I, when I, when I see some people, boy, I get scared only. I said, Baba, will I ever, can ever speak like that? I will send you. You know why? I am is enough. I am is enough. But before I send you, it's a sixth lesson. I need to do something in your life. <laughs> I need to do a personal en- encounter. First session, I need to do something with your life. He does three things. You know, he says, what, what will, what if they don't believe me? No, no, express, turn to express chapter four. No, he does three things. No, he turns the serpent into snake and then water into blood. But between the two, there's something which I want us to concentrate on. Okay. Exodus chapter 4, verse 6 to 8. 
Yeah, 6 to 8. Now, furthermore, the Lord said to him, you don't, they will not believe you, right? Furthermore, the Lord said to him, put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And he took it out. His hand was leprous as snow. Do you see in your hand? Do you see your heart? Boy, Moses, you are absolutely a wretched person. Deep down inside of your heart, you are unclean. You have a polished appearance. You are a whitewashed tomb, but deep down inside, you are full of uncleanness. You should be a person who should cover yourself and shout, unclean, unclean. But I'm going to do something for you. Put your hand back. He put his hand back into his bosom again. So he put his hand back and drew it out and it became restored like the flesh, like the other flesh. You know what he's saying? First, before you go, and when you say, before you can say, here I am, you know what? Let me tell you something. You need to have your own personal testimony, your encounter with your uncleanness and how God delivered you. How you fought your own sin. How, notwithstanding the fact that you are absolutely unclean, God covered your sin. You need to have your own personal testimony. You know why people don't have power? Because they don't have an encounter with God. God never encountered their sin. God never confronted their sin. God never confronted the leprosy in their own heart. And therefore, they don't have power. What are they doing? They are hiding their uncleanness like that man whom Elisha saw. Clothes, but underneath what, what garments? Kingly garments outside. Inside what? Sackcloth. First Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 onwards. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. How? <laughs> Look at what it says. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief and the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying. Worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, unclean people of whom I am chief. However, for this reason, I obtain mercy that in me, what? First, Christ Jesus might show all of long suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. A personal testimony, my dear brothers and sisters. That is the reason why we need to examine ourselves. <laughs> Lord, rebellion there, which is equal to leprosy. Uncleanness there, covering it up nicely. Examine, examine, test, no. Examine, test, no. Examine, test, no. Like so many COVID tests they are doing. Let us do a COVID test on ourselves. Until we are sure. Apparently, uh, uh, Roshan was telling me in those hospitals, even though people have recovered from COVID, they are waiting, observing them, they are burning all their bedsheets, the fresh bedsheets they are giving every day, whatever bedsheets they are using for a day, they are burning it again, ensuring that COVID is not there in their hearts. If that much of care you have to take for COVID, how much more for sin? 
Because you should not be scared of the one who is going to kill your body, right? Sixth lesson is what? Work of God in your own life. Final lesson. Verse chapter 4 and verse so many things we can learn, but I'm just going to look at one lesson because we can do so much of in-depth study and stuff. But I want to just draw out one principle over here. Just look, look, turn to uh, four, uh, chapter 4 of Exodus and verse 10 onwards. Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech, slow of tongue. It's like, you know what he says, uh, the psalmist says in Psalm 45, my tongue is of, tongue of a ready right. Ah, no, 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 Lord, my, my, my tongue is slow. You know, remember, I would, I remember, no, when I was, uh, when we were going for the outreach ministry and I had to preach in Telugu. You know, early in the morning I got up and I said, Lord, my tongue cannot speak Telugu, Lord. Oh, it is so slow to speak, Lord. Slow to speak. Lord, I'm confessing like Moses, Lord. Please, Lord, touch my tongue, Lord. You know, that's exactly what I was doing, no? I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Look at God's answer. You know what? The Lord said, who has made my mouth? Man's mouth. You know what? You need a fresh mouth. A mouth which is touched by God. A mouth which is under God's control. A mouth which will open only when God asks you to open it. Look at this. Therefore go, I will be with your mouth, verse 12, and teach you what you shall say. Kya baat hai. I love that. Can God be with your mouth? Or rather, question is, is God with your mouth? If God is with your mouth, you'll know exactly what is coming out of your mouth. And you'll know this is not of God. This is of man. You understand what I'm saying? And what he's saying? Surrender your mouth to me. Surrender your mouth. The most important surrender that we need to do is to give our tongue to the Lord. So whenever we're having discussions also, our discussions will be awesome discussions about the word of God, like the one we had last night. Wow. I mean, we had to actually force ourselves to leave Raja's home, right? Kya hai discussion thao? Super. I mean, we are literally having heaven on earth, right? <laughs> so, super. <laughs> literally. I mean, you guys who are watching behind camera, you do not know what a blessing and a privilege this is. This is really, really, this is heaven. Okay, this looks like a lab. I never thought lab can become a heaven, but it has actually become, okay? <laughs> it's beautiful. You know what God said? I don't need your eloquence. I need your mouth. I don't need your eloquence. I need your mouth. Can we can we surrender our mouth to God this morning? That is when we have an attitude of a donkey. You know what? Donkey did not speak at all. The donkey in the Bible, if you know, it spoke when God opened its mouth. Do you know that? And the remarkable thing is, the God donkey saw the angel of the Lord and the prophet who is supposed to be the oracle of God was blinded. 
was blinded. Because his heart was given to covetousness. And he was willing to sell his tongue for money. He was willing to curse God's people. My dear brothers and sisters, God needs your tongue. That you be a donkey. You see, in the entire narrative, if Matthew, I mean, in the, in the Palm Sunday narrative, one fellow is not opening its mouth. You know who's that fellow? The donkey. You know why? The king is sitting on the donkey and doing all the talking. May the king sit on your tongue and do all the talking. Why do we need this attitude of Issachar? Why do we need this attitude of Issachar? First Chronicles chapter 12 verse 32 and we'll stop. We know this very well. Because we know it for the benefit of those who do not know. These are all secret things we learn, okay? <laughs> because we come to men's study on men's prayer and men's fasting and prayer and we pay the price. We haven't got it easy. Alright? What do you say? What says thou? Hmm? <laughs> the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times. Oh, they were not Bible college graduates. They were donkeys. Can you imagine? That is the reason why you know what God says? I don't need your intelligence and your wisdom. I need your foolishness. I don't need your strength. I need your weakness. I need your ability. I don't need your ability. I need your availability. So that I can give you understanding. Of the times. To know what God's people ought to do. Their chiefs were only 200 men. May the Lord find in GTC. Beginning with this place. 200 men. Not men. Not many. And because many will not be able to willing, will not be willing to go through this entire process. I'm sure half of you might have got offended and you would go to YouTube and put 50, 55 unlikes. No problem. The more other people, the number of dislikes I have, I'm happy. The happier I am. No problem. The more number of dislikes I have, I know that, you're, that my message has confronted you. <laughs> If I have likes, oh, likes. So many people like me. Oh, what to you when men say good things about you? <laughs> oh, what to you when men say good things about you, my dear brothers? Of the sons of Issachar, of the sons of donkeys. You know what? They saw their resting place and they saw the pleasant land on the other side and they said, Lord, here am I. Grant me the understanding of the times so that I can speak a word to my people according to the times. Samayo chitamayana jnanamu, samayo chitamayana vakyamu. Rendu kaval manaki. Apde manamu isakharu vamsasthalam otam. Ardhavatna manaki. All for those, for those people who understand Telugu. No subtitles, okay? We'll do, <laughs> we can do it later on, <laughs> on YouTube. So this morning, can you say here I am? The first Sunday of April, in the presence of the Lord, can we examine, can we test, can we know? Shall we all stand up? Pastor. Uh, Pastor, please, please come. No, you'll end up. End. First Sunday, first Sunday.
Father, this morning we just come to you, Lord. Come to you, Father. As we heard this morning, Father. The donkey had no idea of the burden it was bearing. It was the weight of the very Son of God. And often like the donkey, we do not realize the weight of glory that awaits us. Christ in us. Christ in us is the hope of our glory. Outside you, we have nothing. Outside of you, we are nothing. Pray, Father, every time we hear the word, something of us would just die and you would live. It's not enough, Lord, that we decrease. Because what that decreases can increase again. It has to die, Lord. It has to die. Because John decreased when he was put in prison. He increased again. But when Paul died to himself, In the prison, you increased in him. Pray, Father, we understand the gospel. That it's about you and you alone. This first Sunday of this fourth month, I pray the Spirit of God will continue to put to death all those things in us that are being revealed that is not of Christ. The little things which we missed. The tiny things which are irritant to the life of Christ growing in us. During these days, O Lord, I pray the Holy Spirit will shine its light into our innermost being and show all those things that need to be put away. And you will do it if we are willing. Said in your word, if we are willing and obedient, we would eat the best of the land. That is the life of Christ. For you came with life. Life in abundance, Lord. So as we start a new week, May your presence be with each one of your children in their homes, in their lives. Even the little ones who have heard, let them too examine themselves. And help us to turn away and turn to you, Lord. Because when we turn to you, the veil is lifted. When we turn to you, the blindfolds fall away. When we turn to you, Lord, your countenance shines upon us, Lord. Thank you, Father. The church, I pray, Lord, will emerge out of this lockdown different. Absolutely different, Lord.
not just us, all around the world, a church will emerge. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Be with us through this day. Two more meetings to go. And we pray, Lord, you will be there with us. Speak through us. Thank you, Father. Once again, I pray, protect your children. All your children, everywhere. Protect them, Lord. Protect them, protect them, protect them. We thank you, we praise you, we worship you, Father. We give you glory, honor, power, and praise. It's yours and yours alone, O oh God. Thank you, Father. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen and amen.